I had my annual listening retreat last week, which uh, if you've never heard of such a thing, I'm not sure that it actually is a thing. I don't know that it exists for anybody else, but it is part of the rituals and rhythms of my year uh, all come about due to the fact that I do change quickly. Like I am an ideas man. I'm pragmatic. I hold things tightly and loosely at the same time. And so my rate of change compared to the average rate of change compared to the rate of change of my wife um, is dramatically different. And so she works with me and the chaos that I would cause her by the rate of change throughout the year. Every time I have a good idea, we need to do it yesterday. Um, She used to call me Rushman, one of the characters at my table. And so to, to actually navigate a much more peaceful working relationship and a much wiser way to do business, I can still be an ideas man and I can still make big changes, but only once a year. So my listening week is my opportunity to think and to review and to listen and to check in and to come up with the best ideas that I can possibly conceive and then to execute those ideas throughout the year. So uh, I'd forgotten about listening week this year because it turns out that listening is harder than working. And while it might sound like a lovely thing to do to go away for a week and just listen, it's a very difficult thing to do. So it really wasn't on my radar. I hadn't factored into my calendar yet. Uh, And about three weeks ago when I was journaling, uh, that was the thing that came up front of mind as a a matter of urgency. my heart yelled at me saying, "What? What? where's this listening week? Um, it's my favorite week of the year and you haven't factored it in yet. So uh, can, can we do that? Are we still going to do that? What's up with that? And so, um, you know, it's always impractical. There's always a reason why that's too hard. It's too expensive. I got other things on. It can't fit. But nevertheless, I've never once regretted listening to myself, no matter how hard it is, no matter what's involved. I, and I never will regret it. And you know, marriage is the metaphor. You've probably heard me say that numerous times. And metaphors join things we do know with things we don't know. So, like, I've never once regretted listening to Catherine. And, and I never will. It's hard to listen to her. It's easier not to listen to her. But but chaos ensues if I don't. And I love her. And so I want to listen. But it's hard. So when I do, things go well for her and I and the same is true in my relationship with myself if I want to keep a clean space if I want to keep operating from a place of wisdom if I want to do the best I possibly can then I cannot possibly imagine that would ever happen if I'm just dominating the conversation with my conscious mind and not checking in not listening to the best of me to the rest of me and so three weeks ago I was reminded that I hadn't factored it in yet and and the suggestion came uh, from my heart that I needed to go to Manly and I remembered a friend of mine saying that he'd rented out some other friend's apartment there and so that was all just floating around in the back of my awareness and so I made some inquiries sure enough that apartment was available and uh, all booked in three weeks later last week I went away um, and I was definitely looking forward to it because I was I was really tired leading into it I've got a big caseload of clients at the moment and I'd heard myself glitching again um, saying things upside down and back to front for a few clients. Sorry if that's you. 
<laughs> whether you noticed or not I certainly did uh, but just going hmm, it's it's a big deal to be invited into these conversations they're always sacred people are in pain they are suffering I show up with my whole heart to serve them without carrying their stuff or making it my problem but I still it does require an awful amount of energy to do the work that I do so I was tired and um, very much looking forward to the chance to get away and reflect and listen and I'd also known that um, some of my big plans this year hadn't worked the way that I'd hoped and so I realized there was a great need to review a bunch of things and to answer some questions that I d didn't have answers to so uh, Catherine like I, I always imagine she's going to think oh wait what you want to do what now why would you want to do that uh, but as soon as I mentioned to her that's what I would like to do I, I didn't have to twist her arm I didn't have to pitch it and she said say no more of, of course that is an essential part of the rhythms of not only you doing you but you doing the things that you do so yeah absolutely you must go so that, I mean that's a lovely thing to not have to fight for those kind of experiences uh, for her to understand the importance of me being in a great space to be able to access magic to do what I do so uh, she certainly wasn't in the way so uh, so I went away and uh, day one when I like it, it is a lovely experience coming from the country to the city I, I, I always am overwhelmed and just in awe of the city the vibe the energy let alone uh, getting on a ferry at, at Circular Quay to go across the most glorious harbour in the world and you know seeing that the, the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge always takes your breath away no matter how many times you've seen it across the harbour uh, to Manly so just the beauty of that and the wonder of that and then finding this apartment had harbour views so a very nice place to stay um, but still on day one I was completely overwhelmed by this idea of listening and I thought there is no way in the world I will survive five days of this I'm going to have to pull the pin early I'm overwhelmed already I'm anxious already uh, there are too many things I need to solve this week and I don't have the energy for it and I'm can I will I be able to listen will I be able to solve these problems they all seem big and so thankfully I I uh, had a sleep instead I, because I was tired I mean I don't think anyone functions very well when they're tired so useful just to get some fuel back in the tank so I probably slept half a day for the first day and just took the pressure off and then day two just as I relaxed into it started the, the practice of listening um, I found Greg Bellingham's book particularly useful the way of the heart as an as a overall framework a, a meta framework for the listening that I was doing if you're wondering about my process and his, his six questions are uh, question one are you free uh, question two who are you question three where do you live Question four, how should you behave? Five, what is your craft? Six, who is your crew? So question one, you know, are you free? That's not about, um, you know, a theory of, you know, I'm in a free country and it's a democracy and I'm free to make choices. It's no, are you experientially free? Or are you bound up by doubt, fear, insecurity, limiting beliefs, narratives that restrict you? Is there tension and bondage and anxiety that that is a prison to you? because that is your first priority and and so if you're not free well it's very hard to listen to anything and in fact um like 
I'll show you my process, and I'd love to love to share with you some of the amazing things that I heard myself say, and what that's going to mean for me, and and probably you if you kind of continue listening to my work next year. But I think that the first the first thing, if you consider your own ability to listen to yourself, um, the first thing is around your own freedom and and your own beliefs about yourself, because if you are like most people, most people are living on the assumption that there is an enemy within. And while they might not say that overtly, that is how they live. And so behavior never lies. It always proves what we believe. So the reason why people don't listen is because they assume there's a darkness inside them. There's a shadow. There's a, they have a mistrust with their own nature. They, they feel like if they rest, they will lose. They must keep driving and working and doing and being better than them and being other than them and being different than them. So... What would be the point of listening to the enemy? You must beat the enemy. So, um, you know, if, if any of that behavior is in your unconscious, then a listening week would be impossible. It, it would be torture. It, it doesn't make sense. You wouldn't even consider it in the first place. Um, but if it intrigues you, this idea of listening, and it makes sense to you that that would be an important thing to do for any loving relationship, well, then your first port of call is the insecurity work, this freedom piece, and that is about discovering your own nature and breaking through the misunderstandings of what you think is wrong with you is it really an enemy or have you misunderstood because without that you you can't go anywhere you can't listen to the answers for any of the other questions Uh, coming in are you free yes i'm free question to who are you so so that's a question that's difficult to answer because it's a question of essence and greg uses a a question in there that's I, i think it's um Actually, I don't really know where it comes from, but I know it's not his. I've seen it other in other places. But the question is, uh, what is the face you had before your parents were born? Which just speaks to this idea that, you know, I'm, I'm not actually Jamin. Jamin is a story that I tell about the essence of me, who I really am. And it's an okay story, but it's an inadequate story. It's I'm describing the indescribable and so for me to consider who, you know, what was the face that I had before my parents were born, it takes me back out of any narrative, anything that is Jamin about trying to describe who I am. And it takes me back to essence. It takes me back to original design. It takes me back to the fact that I am life itself. I am love. I am light. And that's a beautiful thing to come back to that because when you realize that is who you are then you also realize you have all that you need inside you already and what a wonderful thing to do to be in tune with that and listen to that and then then where do you live so off the back of discovering who you really are what is an environment that's generous and conducive to you being you if you're a fish you're not going to live in the outback and the, the things that light you up, the things that are inherently life-giving to you. It's important that that is reflected in the environment that you find yourself in. Uh, how then should you behave is doing flows out of being. So if you're behaving in a way that's incongruent with your essence, then you're going to have some suffering. What is your craft? Is the thing that is aligned to your contribution and it works on you as you work on it so when i think about craft writing speaking coaching they're all difficult things and they change me considerably as i do them and then who are my crew well and who are your crew that's the question to consider around the people that you will flow with do life with that you will give and receive from 
So I, I love that as a big, big frame. And I just kind of lent into those questions. And uh, if you were watching me for the whole five days, if there was a hidden camera in the, in the uh, apartment, I wouldn't recommend you watching that film if you do have access to it. I didn't have clothes on for much of the time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm on my own. I'm having a great time. So... <clears throat> uh, but if you were watching you would find it very difficult to know when i was doing the work of listening and when i wasn't and that's because there was no there was no separation it's all in i'm here to listen and i'm relaxed now and i'm and i'm free so the listening is can take place as a conversation an unbroken conversation when i'm running when i'm swimming when i'm eating when i'm sleeping I'm here and that is my focus. So that was a beautiful experience. Uh, and so here are some of the big things that came out of that over the process of these five days, the ideas that dropped in and that I, that I ruminated on and consolidated and then made sense of. So um, as soon as I dropped into this heart space, and I realize that there is this wealth of love and wisdom and light and peace inside me and, and that I do have all that I need inside me already, then the sense of peace that comes from that is quite extraordinary because all time pressure drops away. You know, I, I feel the sense of pressure by, you know, this one week that I must come up with the goods. My family, my business and my contribution is all off the back of the quality of the ideas that I come up with. And so the pressure is on to come up with good ideas, ideas that are going to work, that are the right ideas. So, And I've also got this five-day time pressure to come up with it before I get back on the boat, on the train, head home. But as soon as I listen to my heart, there is zero time pressure. It is not even a thing. It doesn't exist. There is no time. It all falls away. It's like, huh, wow, um, I have all that I need within me now. And when I'm in tune with my heart, then I can't get it wrong. It's impossible to get it wrong. That, that option does not exist. And so as I dropped into that heart space, I'm then drawn into the, the seven practices of, of magic, the, the magician's way from William Whitecloud, and some of the key ideas that he says in that. Um, uh, there is never anything to do but action to take. Take the obvious action to get what you want rather than assuming you have to do something first. And so when I listen to my heart, then there's nothing to do but just action to take. It's obvious action. It's action that flows out of essence. It flows out of trust. It flows out of alignment. And then the second thing is everyone has a heart. Treat everyone from your heart to their heart. And so when you are aligned to your own heart and listening and you see everyone through that lens, then they also have a heart and you're able to speak to them from that place. And the, the, the things that you say, the, the conversations, the insights, the questions, um, they're all very life-giving and all very pertinent to the now moment and um, the serendipity of the connections that happen off the back of living out of your heart is quite extraordinary. So everyone that I met, everyone that I walked past, and there are a lot of people in the city, but every single interaction with every person those five days, I came at it from my heart space and I treated them like they had a heart too. Whether they were in tune with it or not, I didn't care. I was in tune with my heart. Um, 
One of the key things that I really was wrestling with prior to going was my book. You've heard me bang on about this book. I feel like that I've, I've written something quite extraordinary that is uh, the best work that I've done. And you've heard me say that I've pitched it to agents in New York with the single-minded focus of being picked up by one of the big publishing houses in New York as well, because that's where this book belongs. I think it's, um, it's a book that is up there with the, the best personal development books written in the last 20 years. And so if that's what I think about this book, then that's the only place it can be. Um, so that's all I've thought, all I've focused, all I've dreamt, all I've spoken about for at least six months. And so the, the suffering of trusting my future into people's hands that I don't know, I don't know if they care about me, I don't know if they have my interest at heart, I hope they do, but I assume they don't. And so just this waiting period and the difficulty of that. Um, and also, you might have heard me in a podcast a, f- a few months ago, um, six weeks ago when I was on the Gold Coast at the conference there and I said that my own heart said to me when I'm walking on the beach that the period of my suffering is not yet over and that my suffering is obscurity. So I feel like I'm on the bench a lot of the time. I feel like I have so much to contribute but but I'm waiting to be picked in a team for a game that I want to play. And there are gatekeepers who play those games. The games that I want to play are controlled by gatekeepers and I must wait to be picked on the team. Otherwise, I can't play their game. So the sense of suffering that causes for me is intense because I know who I am and I know what I'm supposed to be doing and yet I don't feel like I'm playing at the game at the level that I'm capable of. I don't know how to play it at the level I'm capable of. And so I wait and I'm patient and I visualize and I speak it over my life and I agree with it and then I wait. And so I suffer because the obscurity of being someone with a big desire playing in little space is a hard deal for me. And so that's one of the big pieces that I want to listen about. I want to wrestle through when I'm away. And it's a hard piece and and something that's top of mind all the time. And as I'm listening and I'm operating out of my heart space and I'm connected, I hear myself say, Jamin, you, you do understand that obscurity is an illusion just like separation is an illusion when when i connect with my heart i'm not just connecting with my heart i'm connecting with the heart the sense of heart that is life itself that's not just me i don't own that exclusively and my heart is not separated from others hearts so this sense of oneness comes when i'm connected to my heart that i am connected to all life throughout all time And so I am you and you are me. And so I'm not on my own. The illusion of separation. Therefore, I am not obscure. I am doing my work. My work is achieving its purpose. So so the moment I can see that obscurity and separation is an illusion, then I cannot suffer anymore. And so I hear my own heart say off the back of that, the period of your suffering has ended. And then I'm, my awareness is drawn to a, a blog post that Seth Godin wrote in 2010 or, or 2011, actually. I, one of the stories that I tell myself about myself is that I'm a one-time learner. And it's a story, right? So I don't know if it's true, but, it, but I've made it true. I, I don't know if there is some scientific thing about my brain that makes it true, but it is something that I wanted to be true, decided was true, found evidence that was true, and so it's become true. So here's the story that I tell about myself. 
that if I hear something, it makes sense to me and I have a direct application for it, that I will never forget it again. It will be impossible for me to forget that. And, and that I can trust that it is stored in a filing system within my heart, within my mind, and that my unconscious now can draw from that as a resource at the appropriate time. So I, I, do nev- I never spend a moment worrying about remembering content, remembering ideas. I just think, wow, that's mine now, that's, that's in there. And now that becomes part of the collective resource that I have to operate my life from. And so I read this blog, 2011. I also did a one-minute coach piece about it and maybe four or five years later, um, but had not thought about it since. Um, haven't read anything else of Seth's since. And so I was surprised that this was the thing that popped up in that moment when I realized that obscurity and separation was an illusion and the period of my suffering was over. And so here's the blog. Let me read you part of it. Reject the tyranny of being picked. Pick yourself. Amanda Hocking is making a million dollars a year publishing her own work to Kindle. No publisher. Rebecca Black has reached more than 15 million listeners, like it or not, without a record label. It's a cultural instinct to wait to get picked, to seek out the permission and authority that comes from a publisher or talk show host or even a blogger saying, I pick you. But once you reject that impulse and realize that no one is going to select you, that Prince Charming has chosen another house, then you can actually get to work. If you're hoping that the HR people you sent your resume to are about to pick you, it's going to be a long wait. Once you understand that there are problems just waiting to be solved, once you realize that you have all the tools and all the permission you need, then the opportunities to contribute abound. No one is going to pick you. Pick yourself. March 21, 2011. I read that and it was though Seth had written those words just for me, just for this moment in time. And they went deep into my heart. And, and in that moment, I knew that I will never be on the bench ever again. I, I cannot be on the bench because I pick me. So it was an extraordinary experience because now there's no room to suffer around this book. I know my book is good and I pick it and, and I pick what's going to happen next. And so you've heard me say, and however you hear me say this, it doesn't matter because it is what I believe with my whole heart, that it is the most important personal development book written in the last 20 years. And in my mind, on the cover, I can just see that someone of note has said that about my book. And that's what qualifies that statement to be true. Turns out I do not need that. It turns out I can qualify that statement. It turns out I am am able to say that I am the best coach in the country and I have written the most important personal development book in the last 20 years. I can say that about myself. I can pick me. I can endorse my own content and then put it out there for anyone and everyone to critique. You don't agree with that? Fantastic. Show me what's true instead. Show me who is the better coach. Show me which is the better book. I'm all ears. I would love to see that. What are the options? where's the competition because I think this is the best and I think I know and so just the wave of relief and the wave of joy and peace around the fact that my goodness I am not waiting another moment I do not have to wait for anyone's permission anyone's endorsements anyone say so I'm in the game and I'll never be on the bench ever again so look out world here I come so I will self-publish this book and I will do my own book tour. 
and this is how I'm going to do my book tour. So I'm imagining this book will be ready for release um, end of February next year. So the book tour that I'm going to do, the self-permission book tour around the country and, and overseas, if you're listening from overseas, this applies to you too. Uh, if you would like to host me in your backyard or your lounge room or your front porch and combine it with a a wine tasting night or some you might have a musician that um, might play some sweet tunes or you might have lunch or a potluck dinner you you can decide how else you'd like to coordinate a bunch of your friends or family gathering but if you would host me and gather a small crowd then i would come to your house and talk about upgrading from self-discipline to self-permission and we would have a lot of fun together and just the natural life and love and wisdom that would be shared in that that's how i'm going to do it so i don't need to wait for anyone to pick me i don't need to wait for anyone else's permission that's what i'm doing so if so if you hear that now and something in your mind in your heart goes i'd like to do that well get in touch reach out and let's make a plan we're Kat and i are going to get in the car we're going to travel around the country and we'll get on a plane and travel around the world too if you'd like to host us so this book will come out next year uh, there'll be a range of coaching products off the back of the book around this midlife upgrade the, the specific mechanics of how anyone could ever upgrade from self-discipline to self-permission in the midlife season all that is involved so it is such an important piece of the puzzle for ambitious midlifers who have only worked out how to get the best out of themselves, well, they think it's the best out of themselves, by treating themselves as though there is an enemy within, using their best energy against themselves. That is, that's such a tragedy. And there is no way in the world that can be the best plan for you and for the world. And so uh, this is how to upgrade. So I'm very excited about that and uh, full steam ahead for Marathon 2 and 3. So if you've heard me talk about the book writing process, it is three marathons. Marathon 1 to get it to first draft. Marathon 2, the process of publishing and editing and you know cover design and getting an actual physical book back. And then Marathon 3, the process of selling, marketing, delivering. So I'm ready for Marathon 2. Giddy up, let's go. So in light of that, this may in fact be my last podcast for this year. Uh, as I throw myself into the editing and publishing process get, to get the book out on time for February, end of February next year. So uh, it's been a great year. I so appreciate all the feedback I get from you all and, and always have you, you in my mind as I'm talking. Everyone who's listening, I feel like I'm speaking from my heart to yours. And I think it's a it's a worthy pursuit each of us are on to live our best life by listening to your own hearts so i i hope that this has summed up a whole bunch of stuff for you this year around who you really are and breaking through the misunderstanding you've held about who you're not but have lived as though you are right about those misunderstandings um, because you, you won't actually ever regret breaking through that and finding the essence of you and listening to you and and the world will thank you for that work so if this is in fact the last conversation we have for the year i hope you have a a really wonderful end of year and a great time with friends and family over Christmas that you get some rest, get refreshed and find some time to yourself over this period and get a chance to listen. So I'll uh, leave it there and talk to you again at some stage in the future.